Welcome to the Third Turn Podcast and our ongoing conversation on long-term leadership and legacy. Today, we will be in a conversation with Dennis Humphrey from Eden Business Concepts, and we'll say more about that in a moment. I'm Mark L. Vincent, facilitator for Maestro Level Leaders and founder of Design Group International and the Society for Process Consulting. And I'm joined again by my new co-host, Kristen Evenson. Kristen, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you, Mark. I just so look forward to being a part of these conversations, and I'm glad I get to be a consistent, ongoing part. Well, you've been a an important part from the beginning. I think that's a very safe thing to say. And you have had a way of thinking about and talking about third-turn leadership uh, right from the get-go. So can you just say another word here by way of further introduction, why providing a resource for third-turn leaders appeals to you? Yeah, you bet. I, I have experienced certainly living through my own um, change and transition in leadership and have had the opportunity to walk alongside other leaders um, and organizations as they felt, you know, navigated change. So I've become, you know, a student of that um, and love these kinds of insights and conversations. But I especially love that this podcast, Third Turn Podcast, pulls back the curtain on the later stage leadership transition and the yeah. opportunities, the new kinds of significance that are available at that third turn, um, strategies, ways that leaders and organizations can navigate that turn. And then especially just the personal part of it. Oftentimes leaders that have been through this transition, it's the untold behind the curtain part. And I just love that mm -hmm. we bring all those things into, um, on, into onto the stage and into the conversation. Mm. Well, as we set the stage for today's conversation, I, I want to ask you one more question, Kristen. Uh, when Jeanette Robert and I interviewed you in episode three, we were drawing on your expertise out of uh, junctures, your uh, business where you're the principal and you focus on coaching and consulting and have this background in um, I, the way I find myself describing it is the executive brain, of course, the brain in general, but how that plays out in the leader's role. And when we talk with Dennis in a few minutes, we're going to be talking about the executive leader in the heart, in a sense. So when you think about these aspects of human development, especially for the executive leader, what distinctions do you make between head or brain and, and heart? Well, that's a really loaded question because that could be its own um, episode and then some. Dennis and I were just saying before we jumped on here, gosh, we'd love to have a conversation about that because there's so much more research of late that mm. shows the interrelation between um, what goes on in the brain and, and what's in the heart. Um, but at the core, I just think both involve a ton of intention for us, especially as leaders, to know what's in our mind and in our thoughts. Um, and what motivates us and what we find meaningful. And oftentimes it takes some intentional self-reflection and self-awareness to kind of get beneath the surface and find you know, what's underneath that in both our mind and our heart. So um, I just think, yeah, our conversation with Dennis today will be really important and insightful about both of those aspects, but especially the heart. Oh, that's great. Thanks for helping to set the stage. And let's bring uh, Dennis Humphrey into our conversation. And let's just start by welcoming you, Dennis. We're so glad that you're here. Oh, thanks, uh, Mark, Kristen. It's great to be with you today. 
We are glad that you agreed to this. You and your partner, John Erickson, own together um, Eden Business Concepts. And John has a background in engineering. You have a background in clinical counseling. But along the way, you found yourself kind of merging into this same space of executive leadership development. And you've done it in a variety of fields. I was going through your different resumes and biographical sketches not too long ago and noting that you'd been working in business and academics and in ministry settings. And now you're doing it uh, really uh, off of this platform of being executive advisors. So could you just tell us more about how the two of you met and ultimately decided uh, that you had a service to provide? Sure. Uh, John and I met back in the early 90s at uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He was uh, pursuing an MDiv. I was doing an MA in counseling. And we just struck up a friendship. And, uh, you know, over the, our years there, uh, grew an appreciation for each other's gifts and talents. Uh, upon graduation, we kind of went our own ways for about 10 years. And then our paths mer merged back again. Uh, during that 10 years, he did uh, urban ministry work. And I was doing... Uh, counseling and executive coaching and outplacement work with some large firms and a boutique firm in Chicago. And we merged back together doing some work in Eastern Europe uh, with churches and nonprofits, helping them with their organizational thinking. So we did that for about a decade and we'd always thought, hey, we could do this in other places. Uh, and a few years ago, a friend approached us and said, hey, you guys do something unique. Uh, you have a different perspective, and that's needed in the business world. So why don't you try to bring that into the marketplace? Hmm. And so we did. And, and the gap that we saw was we saw a lot of leadership issues around organization and tactics and strategy. But the, the gap seemed to be, does a leader really understand what's going on in their heart and why they're making the decisions they're making and for what reasons and motivations that are really a heart-based motivation uh, ultimately? And so that, uh, that started our journey a few years ago with Eden Business Concepts to step into the marketplace with that. Hmm. That's cool, Dennis. And um, we definitely want to hear more about your work with the heart of a leader. Um, but before we jump into that, I also want to note that while you, you and John work with leaders in general across all age groups, um, you do work especially with young and emerging leaders. So, you know, while we here at the Third Turn podcast fo focus primarily on that later stage leader, um, we know that a really strong, significant third turn isn't possible without a leader having done some really foundational work um, at their own first turn and second turn. So tell us more about your work with those emerging leaders and the work required related to their heart specifically, if you would. Sure. Most of that just emerged because that's what God was setting up in front of us. The people that came to us and we were able to help were, were people in their 20s. And so when we use the word emerging leaders at Eden, that's really who we're talking about, people in their 20s. Uh, we believe you learn everything you need to know to be successful in kindergarten and in your 20s. Hmm. And if an individual can really think well and take the decade of their 20s for all the wonderful exploration that can happen there and, and be very purposeful in that, by the time they hit 30, they are ready to step into some significant leadership and they have you know, a, a number of decades of positive contribution ahead of them. Hmm. And you know what we did with these emerging leaders was we saw their talent, we saw 
their passion. And, and so we also saw that they were, they were often stuck in some way. And that typically was in a relational or emotional concern. Is it related to their own abilities? Is the relationships around them, their ambitions? And, and really our work then began giving them a space, a safe space to explore that, help them understand uh, their gifts, help them understand how their heart works at a motivational mm -hmm. level, and then, uh, you know, make effective decisions with their gifts and abilities. Wow. So it sounds like you're relating the heart to motivations, kind of a person's core motivations. Is that what I'm hearing? Sure. That's really kind of our perspective on that. And, and you really, I guess if you thought in three broad categories, we really kind of look at people and say, people are usually, they're motivated, a need for respect, uh, hmm. or a need, a second one would be a need to receive value, or a third one would be a need to, you know, to be in community, to be liked and appreciated as a person. And what we find found across our work is that those seem to be dominant. Um, we, we would argue that those actually come out of our, our biblical understanding of pride, idolatry, and unbelief. We usually function mm. out of one of those. And when those are understood, people can be aware, hey, there's a downside to you know, pride, idolatry, and unbelief, or being a respect or value person or needing to be liked. But there's a tremendous upside in giftedness, and we are motivated out of those places. And so our role has been help, helping young leaders understand, hey, you know what, this is how you tend to be motivated. So let's focus on how you can effectively do this in a positive direction and, and not get caught in the pitfalls of that. It, um, you know, it's, it's not counseling or therapy. That's not what we do, mm -hmm. but it's coaching that keeps an eye to a redemptive end, you know, with a long-term vision of who they are, how their heart works, and then tie that to purposeful and meaningful work. Wow. I love, um, I love how you think about that. And it's making me think that Mark and I talked yesterday about the fact that we both happened to uh, watch the Broadway recording of Hamilton, uh, mm -hmm. the life story of Alexander Hamilton. And all three of those motivations were on display um, in his story and sure his were. journey of leadership. Right, Mark? Yes, they sure were. Yeah, that's a great place to kind of tie into what exactly what you're saying. Um, so it sounds like really important work. Um, what would you say emerging, emerging leaders face that established leaders don't? Well, first of all, I think they live in a different world. Um, I think about my own children and, um, you know, the past 20 years. Uh, emerging leaders, they have a stronger global environmental conscience. Hmm. They're really concerned about that. Uh, they are often interested in things being different and better. Uh, they have a higher value for social justice and redemptive work. And, and those things seem to be ingrained in, in almost every emerging leader that we're working with to various degrees. Wow. And, and that creates an internal tension for them. Um, you know, because the older generations don't necessarily have that level of, of intense engagement in that perspective. And hmm. so there, there's a tension. They, they, they feel connected to their their world a lot more, I think. And I think the second reason coming into the second reason is the internet and the amount of information. Um, emerging leaders today, you know, there's a dilemma. They have the internet and a whole bunch of information and data. At the same time, they're growing in experience and wisdom. So they're, they're you know, from the get-go, they're caught with so much information. Right. But maybe their wisdom and their experience lag behind for them to 
utilize, make sense, articulate this information. So they're deluged. Mm -hmm. And then that takes them into a third area of challenge is identity. Uh, we see this, um, I, I see this a lot and we've seen it globally, especially in COVID, the effect of social media and the internet on identity and mm -hmm. expectations of life. And that creates a lot of noise in their life. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, you know, one of the things we do with emerging leaders, is we want to help them recognize that because we want to lower the noise so that they can actually then hear their heart. And, and they can start to say, okay, there's a way to think about all this information and, and allow the experience of that along with just someone to walk with them and gaining wisdom and thinking purposefully to gain wisdom mm. as they look at that. So I, I think those are the, the big challenges that emerging leaders face. Dennis, as you were talking, I was remembering um, some of what I've experienced recently because I live between generations. My parents are alive and my wife's mother is alive and I have six young adult children and I know you do as well and Kristen, you do as well. And when I um, think about what uh, kind of yanks their chain, I find my parents' uh, frustration at someone's deception is about as equal as my young adult family members' uh, frustration around social injustice. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's like an equal wow. emotional yeah. strength uh, and sense of offense, but in different uh, directions. And uh, the other, if you flip it around, they're not quite, you know, my parents weren't quite so concerned and might still not be quite so concerned about social injustice, although they certainly didn't want to be perpetrators of it. And those young adults, um, you know, they're not saying, hey, I'm going to be a liar, but they're not nearly as bothered by uh, deception as, as those older generations were. And just knowing that wow. there's that sense of what is right and wrong that's very well pronounced, but is going in different directions, I think is an important dynamic here. If we're helping leaders emerge and helping them uh, become wiser and also learning from them at the same time. And I'm wondering, Dennis, if you could just make a few more comments here about some of the generational challenges that you are seeing, especially in business between established and emerging leaders. Well, yeah, um, just to follow on your comment there, the one of the distinctions it sounded like, and maybe tease out a little more if we had another conversation, is that difference you, you are noticing in generations is a is an individual versus a collective kind of hmm. perspective. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, in, that don't be deceptive, don't lie to me, that, you know, you are lying to me. That's that individual kind of interaction thing where it's this, this other aspect in the, in the social justice, you know, it's definitely much more of a collective, who are we as a, as a group? And we're concerned about the big group moving in a certain way. Individuals mm -hmm. find their way in that. So just a kind of a, a note on that. But uh, to address your other your other question about where are we seeing the differences, and I guess I would I would offer three categories where we we would find conflict or challenges emerging as you know uh, three turns of generation are trying to interact with each other, and the first one would be need, you know, hmm. first turn, second turn, third turn. They really all have different they have different human needs because of the phase of their life of life they're in whether it's age finances emotional development career development um 
they may be common themes of need, but they're going to be expressed and worked out in different ways. And so when, when generation, the generations don't recognize the need of the other generation, we will, we'll find some conflict there. Or mm. when, when a generation doesn't articulate or can't articulate what their need is, mm -hmm. uh, we're going to run into some conflict. Um, the second area is in how they perceive each other. You know, if you think about established leaders or third turn leaders, you know, their perception of what success is, is going to be different than based on their experience and the wisdom they've gained and, and where they think they need to go than a first turn leader. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so their perception of each other, and if they, they can't get some balance on that or, or, uh, you know, kind of correct, a, a, a perception that might be askew that's going to create a problem then the third one which probably is the, the largest one where we run into it is unevaluated expectations or uncommunicated expectations mm. and and living out of the assumption of hey you know this is what should happen well maybe they do maybe they don't or and wh what happens with those expectations is they will eventually over time if they're not articulated internally and personally and then outward to people around you they'll start to morph into entitlements and so now that gets ugly because now people are going to act out of, you know, I actually am entitled for you to act this way in business and in leadership with me. Mm. And so I think when those three things start to come into focus, uh, then the generations can really start to meld and work well together because they'll start to see each other more accurately. Interesting. In this COVID era, Leaders at every level are managing rapid change and significant uncertainty. It can be like throwing a dart at solutions, but there's a better way. In multi-scenario planning, leaders and teams decipher what is possible, what is probable, and what the consequences might be for moving different levers. If you need this, if your team needs this, you can participate in a half-day workshop coming up from the Society for Process Consulting. All you have to do is go to societyforprocessconsulting.com, click at the link at the top that says register for courses, and scroll down until you find the Multi-Scenario Planning Workshop. We hope to see you there. Thank you for that. I, I'd like to take another moment here and just emphasize one more time how important this subject is, whether it's out of needs or perceptions or expectations that bring about business failure. By that, I mean, you know, the needs aren't managed, the perceptions not managed, the ex expectations aren't managed. The, the business studies that are out there keep pointing to the reason that businesses fail more than any other is the inability to get, develop, and retain key talent. And uh, Peter Drucker, I mean, nobody less of an authority than Peter, spent more than 50 years writing about how important this is. And yet, uh, here we are all executive advisors in this conversation. All of us keep running into business leaders that say, yeah, yeah, developing other leaders, that's important to do. It's nice to do when we figure things out, when we can afford to do it. They almost treat it as if it's a perk mm -hmm. rather than such a central yeah. necessity. So how do you counter, Dennis, you and John, this very deep in and illogical resistance to developing talent in the wake of the business's growth? Well, we... 
the nice thing about what you just elevated is we have some we have a big lead block on that and a guy named Lencioni in his latest mm. book called <laughs> Advantage, where he just makes that point. And so what we find is we're entering in at points of pain. That's where our work comes in. We we rarely show up when something is working well. And most often um, our work and, and our engagement has come because someone is, is not dealing with a smart side of business, which Lencioni talks about, you know, our strategy, our marketing, all that, all that piece of it. Um, they are really struggling because it's a health side. It's an emotional, relational, it's an organizational health piece. And, and that's really kind of where the heart piece comes in. I've, uh, I've worked with a number of uh, leaders, business leaders, who have, have just run their businesses into the ground, not because they weren't viable businesses, not because there wasn't a market for it and, and there was a lucrative market for it, but it's because they really didn't know what was going on with themselves. And they mm -hmm. were spending too much time on the golf course, but they really didn't know why. And lo and behold, a few years later, they're moving into bankruptcy. Wow. And if they knew what was going on, if they knew why they were doing the decisions they were making, and they had that awareness at the heart level, there were a multitude of decisions to make that could have kept the business viable. Hey, let's bring in a GM. Let's figure out the money. You know, you can spend mm -hmm. more time on the golf course. Let's move you third turn, right? Maybe it's mm -hmm. actually time for you to move higher and become more of an advisory mentor right. person rather than in an right. operational phase. but they didn't pay attention to their heart and they didn't ask the relevant questions and so there you know that's where they ended up hmm. so dennis i know that you and john both are doing a lot of writing and that's growing out of a lot of thinking and you've put some resources in play especially for turn two leaders uh, like you were just describing they're running the organization they've got to lead people and they have to step up their leadership development initiatives. So could you point us to one or two that you have found particularly useful and why? Sure. Um, certainly, you know, when we're just making our argument, I'll go back to Lencioni and we'll start with their head if they need that argument. Um, John has written a book, John Erickson, he wrote a book called Three Paths at a uh, Paradise. And it's part of a series that we're developing. It's called the Eden Series. And that, that piece and another one that's going to come out is on conflict. And they start to address these issues. So I you know, commend John's work to you. That's helpful. What we have found is other resources that have been helpful to business leaders. Um, HBR is doing a lot of good work in this area. Their podcast, uh, their, um, their magazines, their articles, they're spending a lot of time with culture and leaders and life and starting to do a lot of good integrative work. So, so we like to refer a lot to that. Um, I, uh, Hogshead, her work uh, has been helpful. The other pieces that we do is there's a lot of good assessments and things where we'll help leaders understand their motivations. And so those are some of the resources that we'll promote. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, we're, really, we're really wanting leaders to understand that, you know, what's most rewarding to them is going to be most heartfelt. And that often works in, in our coaching conversations with executive leaders where we're able to spend some time with them. And that's, that's where we really get a lot of traction in that. Thank you. Dennis, we, um, gosh, I really admire the work you do with leaders and it just um, the way you serve leaders, especially you know across the spectrum, but especially those emerging leaders. So 
Yeah, thank you for all of that and all that you are doing to um, for the sake of leadership in our world. Um, there's lots more to talk about on that, and lots more I'm curious about, but in the interest of time, I'm gonna turn to our turning point questions. And these are three questions we ask all of our guests. Um, and I get to kick off the first one with you, which is actually my favorite. So um, Dennis, if you were to have pursued any other vocation, what first comes to mind and why? Um, I would have been a Formula One car racer. Oh, That's cool. what I would have done. That's awesome. And and I'm fully aware if if I was allowed to do that, I would not follow Jesus. Mm. That is way too lucrative a life and would just fill a lot of gap. But mm. you know, in a more in a more um, reflective sense, if I had a do-over, I would join the Coast Guard. I grew up in the Great Lakes. I enjoyed everything about being on the water. I loved watching the Coast Guard. Their mission of service, commerce, to, service to commerce, the environment, and people. That's real congruent with my heart. And, and mm. I would have done that mm -hmm. as, a, as a kickoff. Cool. I think I would have learned an awful lot. So, Dennis, I grew up on the Great Lakes, too, but your accent tells me what side of the Great Lakes you grew up on. And I, I want to ask you, does Canada, uh, would they also call it Coast Guard or what would the equivalent yep. be? I just have to confess I'm ignorant. It's it's the Coast Guard or whatever the French equivalent is when we're in Quebec. Ah, OK, got it. Well, thanks. Uh, our second question uh, I'm really interested to know more about this and what you would say. So what is a valuable leadership lesson? that you wish you had learned sooner? And I, I want to put the, and why? Why do you wish you'd learned it sooner? Uh, I, I really wish I had have learned to be more courageous. Um, I think um, without, without being arrogant, you know, you turn 50 and you start to realize what you're good at and what you're not good at, and you don't worry about what you're not good at. And I think if I was a little more courageous earlier in my life, I would have learned some of that, what am I really good at? And I would have been able to dive really deep into it and really relish it and grow it. So I think that's a life lesson. And, and moving forward, that's really kind of a theme of mine is, you know, be courageous, take risks, uh, trust yourself, you know, trust God. He gave you these gifts and, and he will provide for you. But uh, learning to be a courageous leader is what I would have liked to have learned sooner. Wow, that's cool, Dennis. And I'm sure that shows up in the leaders you serve as well, too, or your conversations with them. Um, the third question is, uh, what is a current book you are reading and why? I've got two on the go right now that I'm just in and out of briefly given my schedule. But the one is Eric Larson's The Splendor in the Vile, the saga hmm. of Churchill family and defiance during the Blitch. And if you've read... Uh, Larson, Devil in the White City is another one of his books. Um, he does a wonderful job of digging into the historic documents and then creating a, a narrative out of those. And they're entertaining and informative. Hmm. Uh, the other one is uh, Vern Harnish scaling up. Um, I'm in that right now because I'm with two organizations that that's the issue. Uh, three, if I include my own organization, uh, those are the issues we need to be paying attention to is, is developing scale with them. Hmm. The book Scaling Up is one I'm also very familiar with and have used with a number of clients. Dennis, I'm really glad you mentioned that one. And I want to thank you for joining us for the Third Turn podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a delight. It's been a pleasure.
And so to all of you listening, our guest today was Dennis Humphrey of Eden Business Concepts. You can learn more about his work and the work of his partner, uh, John Erickson, at EdenBusinessConcepts.com. It's also now just a chance to thank Jennifer Miller from Strategically Connected, who produces this podcast. Mm -hmm. The work of Meister Level Leaders in the Third Turn podcast is a focus on building future value, making succession possible, and developing legacy. What does that mean? Well, just in a few words, it means caring about the world and the world in which our grandchildren's grandchildren will live. We need more of that kind of care. The next Maestro Level Leaders cohort for Third Turn Leaders is just about to launch. You can learn more about it at maestroleveleaders.com. If you reach out to me there, we will get a conversation started. We are grateful to all of you for listening with us today and coming alongside of us on these important topics. The podcast audience is growing and so is its availability. We recently added Pandora to our podcast distribution. So you can find us on Spotify, CLA TV, Apple Podcasts, and many more. We would appreciate your passing word along and We'd love to know if you have any thoughts of people we should talk to. If so, reach out to us at thirdturnpodcast.com. This podcast is a production of Design Group International.